Hi, and welcome to the Daring to Leap podcast. I'm your host, Lori Phillip. I'm so excited to dive into this week's episode with you. What if some of the conventional career rules that we are following are just holding us back from our potential? This week, we're having a little fun and breaking some rules with Aaron Keating, podcast host and award-winning television executive. Tune in to learn five career rules that you should break so that you can let go of the limitations that are holding you back in your career. Let's dive in. We have a special guest on the podcast today. Erin Keating is here. Erin is the host of the Hotter Than Ever podcast, where she interviews inspiring women over 40 about how they broke the unconscious rules they'd been following and reshaped the second act of their lives for the better. Taking on topics from career and ambition to love, sex, relationships, aging, and more. Erin is also award-winning television development and production executive. Her career has included senior creative roles at Snapchat, Big Beach TV, IFC TV, and Magna Global Entertainment. Welcome to the podcast, Erin. Thank you so much, Lori. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, I'm so happy that you're here, and I have so, so, so much to talk to you about today. And where I really wanted to get started with is you've had this beautiful career in entertainment, and I'm curious what really made you decide, you're on your career journey, what made you decide to leave that and go at it on your own? It's a great question, and I'm not sure I've totally left it yet, right? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so my story is that I started as a writer-performer. I thought I was going to be an actor. Turned out I was really naturally a producer. I was producing everything that I was involved with. And then I was like, is this a job? And so my first job in TV was at Comedy Central in New York as the assistant to the general manager where I really learned my kind of, it was kind of my grad school in TV, like how it all works. And I came up through cable in New York. And when I learned what television development was, I was like, that's the job for me. When I read the job description of executive producer, I was like, oh, that's definitely me. That's the lead creative that sits between the show and the buyer. And so in my career, I've gone back and forth between being an EP and also then sitting on the buy side being the person who sort of hears pitches, helps shape shows, and gets things on the air for different platforms. Most recently, six years at Snapchat, which was a wild ride through the IPO and all of the, the sort of world of tech and social media, where I was really innovating, making shows for mobile. So learning how to make short form script, mainly scripted is really my expertise, but I've done every genre. Scripted shows for Gen Z on their phones. And so that as as the tech industry has contracted in the last couple of years, there were massive mm-hmm. layoffs everywhere. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got hit by that. I got the entire originals team at Snapchat got laid off. And at the same time personal changes were happening in my life. I had been married for a long time. I am now divorced. And I I really took that as a moment to reset to sort of say, let me think just, l- let me just hit the pause button for a second. I've been going, going, going in this career for 20 years. I have been 
having ever more senior positions, I having ever more financial success, but also responsibility and also stress. And mm -hmm. what I realized was I needed to think about what my purpose was and, and what the best use of me is in the world. And I really needed to reclaim my voice. I really needed to start reinvestigating what it is that I have to say in the world and what I can contribute that really only I can contribute. I think everybody has the things that only they can do. And mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who can be excellent executives in the media business. I am one of them. There are also a lot of other people. But are there, are there other people out there who want to talk about what it is to reinvent your life midstream to sort of ask yourself, what am I doing in every area of my life? Where am I telling the truth and where am I lying to myself? Where am I living out old stories, old dreams, old goals that maybe need to be refreshed? And that's where I've been at. So I've been using Hotter Than Ever, my podcast, as a means towards opening up that conversation for other women and some men who have tuned in and, and said that they resonate with the themes as well to, to talk about how do we uncover these unconscious rules we've been following? How do we break the ones that aren't working? And how do we find a new path to being freer, more self-expressed, more successful, happier, have more love, have more joy, have more freedom? That's what I'm looking for in life because I found that having it all, in quotes, wasn't really real for me. Mm -hmm. From mm -hmm. the outside, my life looked impeccable marriage, twins, great career, great position in the world, making money, all those things. But I was so burnt out and I was grinding so hard and I was trying so hard to get the approval of people who ultimately, I care more about my own approval than I do the approval of whatever media industry corporate bosses, whatever, whatever. And I found that I was licensing my voice, which is precious, to, to serve a business that wasn't my business. And that is what you do in a, in a professional career. I just mm -hmm. have to be really good at evangelizing. And so I, I drank the Kool-Aid and I had a lot of other people drink the Kool-Aid on what my mission was at Snap and I believed in it and we were incredibly successful at it. When that tide turned, I realized, like, what else can I use that voice for? What, mm -hmm. else, what else am I here to do in the world? And that's the inquiry I've been in. That's so powerful, Erin. I, I just love that journey that you're on. And I resonate with it so much, having been on my own similar journey of trying to figure out my voice and where I fit in and yeah. also taking back that power from an organization and wanting to put it forward for myself and yeah. support others. I'm curious, and, and this happens quite a lot when I'm talking with various people about these shifts in their lives where something happens. Mm. And in this case, it's everybody in that organization at SNAP was laid off. And then at that point, we get to take that moment and you decided to reset 
But very easily, you could have just said, okay, I'm going to go find something else to do in the industry. I have a great resume. I have connections. I could just go find something else. So what was it at that point in time, do you think, that helped you find the courage to take that step back? Because when you were talking about really looking at everything, sometimes that looking at things is kind of hard to do, right? Yeah. It's easier just to move forward than really take a clean look at yourself. Yeah, it's a great question. I think one thing that happened was I got COVID and I got very, very sick. And Mm. I went to the hospital. And while I was lucky enough to get out in 48 hours, I had a moment of epiphany in the, I almost want to call it a hotel room, but it was like a (laughs) private room that was just me. And I found myself feeling like I was at a spa. And I was like, this is wrong. This is not a spa. This is UCLA hospital. And I am real, real sick or I wouldn't be here. And I just had an epiphany that you get one life. You just get one life. And I'm smack in the middle of it, given the fact that we all are going to live longer. This second act, especially for women who are the first generation, I'm 50 to be 52. We're the first generation of women who kind of really claimed the mantle of having it all. Mm-hmm. So now, okay, so I had this big career. I had the marriage that was supposed to be a certain way. I have the kids I wanted to have. Those were all dreams from my 20s. And I thought to myself, okay, this is just a, this is an organic moment for me to reassess and ask myself, is this the life I want? And it certainly was the manifestation of all my dreams as a young woman, but mm-hmm. it isn't, it wasn't the manifestation of my dreams today. And so, because I now know, I now have the confidence of a track record of success where I can go, well, I set out about to do that and I did it. I set out to do mm-hmm. that other things thing and I did it. Oh, I wanted this and I overcame that obstacle and I got that thing. And so I now sort of trust that whatever I put my attention to, whatever I put my focus on, that I can build and grow and evolve. And so did I want to go and do the same thing again at another place? I'm restless. I'm intellectually curious. I want to be vulnerable. I want to be open. And also I hit a place in my career where anything higher than the position that I was in, I was not going to get to play with the toys anymore. So... Mm -hmm. I think of the t- making TV shows or making media as, and getting my, my hands in it and working with creatives and developing an idea and shaping something and all those amazing incremental decisions that lead to something excellent. When you get into the senior, senior management level, when you're VP, EVP, depending on what kind of corporate structure you're in, media, tech, whatever, they all have kind of different ways of Mm -hmm. describing what the roles are but I just felt like if I if I sat in my boss's seat I'd be doing a job I didn't want to do because I'd be doing politics and managing up and I hate that shit that's not what I'm in it for I came came into television as an artist so I really felt like how do I how do I do more of that now how do I do more of the creative piece of it the self-expression piece of it how do I do this magical thing of connecting with people, which was part of my job. Always in television development, you have these incredible first meetings 
where you really dive deep into who someone is and what their story is and what the potential is for the projects. And then you spend two years trying to get something on the air. Well, having a podcast and interviewing people is just the best part of that process. Where you, you can really jump do, right in. Yeah, yeah. You just jump in and mine it and and connect and get deep and and then you don't have to fight the powers that be to manifest your thing. So I don't see podcasting as the end game for me. I saw it as the lowest hanging fruit towards developing my voice, building a business, and really taking some time to figure out, okay, let me shape that voice, let me shape that vision, and then figure out what else hotter than ever can be. Mm -hmm. Because I think it can be a media brand, I think there can be products, I think the, the audience of women over 40 who are looking to be inspired and empowered is really huge. And I think, the, I think there's, there's a sense of play that's missing from the way that people are talking to women over 40. Everything gets a little grim and, and I don't know. I feel like I'm, I, look, I'm happier, sexier, <laughs> more empowered, more joyful than I've ever been in my entire life. I don't see that reflected out there. And mm -hmm. I think there's room in the market for, yes. for that brand. Yeah, I do feel looking at it, and I just turned 40, so we were talking about this before. Yeah. I'm stepping into that phase. Congratulations. And Your 40s are going to be you. amazing. I, I, I feel that. I really do feel that. It, it feels so serious, mm -hmm. the, the culture, or just like what's getting put in front of women at, at this age, and when, especially when you talk about career, it's all buttoned up. I think you're right. I feel like it's missing fun. I feel like it's missing heart. It's yep. missing a spark. Yep. And and I think that's what I want to talk to you next about because I really, really love this idea of finding the courage to break the rules. Yes. And and that sounds fun to me. I don't it's know about fun you. fun to break the rules. <laughs> yeah. I was a rebellious teenager. I, I traveled the world in my 20s and did whatever I wanted. Like, I want to reconnect with that person who was just authentically living her life before I needed to make, make money and to raise my children. And yeah, okay, so here's some unconscious rules to break at work. So I always thought that I needed to be like the most buttoned up person who ever lived, right? I's dotted, T's crossed, every presentation absolutely perfect, air, airtight like preparation and responses to every question. All that stuff is really important. It's really important to be polished and have a presentation that has been thoughtfully put together and to communicate your ideas in a really clear and compelling way. However, a little imperfection and a little humanity goes a long way. So if you can joke about your anything in a meeting to break the ice, if you can share something personal that's still within the bounds of appropriate, I think that's an opportunity to connect on a different level and to get the whoever your intended audience's attention in, a, in an awake kind of way, not in a, mm -hmm. I, I think we get into these ruts in the office of like how things are done and how you present to mm -hmm. clients and blah, 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 how you make your case. And I just think... Anytime you can bring more of yourself to the party, your, your perfectly imperfect self to the party, 
the more compelling and fun and engaging it's going to be for everyone. Yeah. And this, this I think is so spot on. And I feel like we're in the age of authenticity Mm. where we went through this phase, especially in big corporations and everything where everything you said was true. You had to be so super polished. This is the way it was done. This is the culture. Um, you know, presentations were scripted and what was missing was, you know, being able to really connect on a deep level with people. Yeah. And that's, that right now is gold because we've over rotated on the other side. We're trying to rotate back, but culture is so hard to change. It takes a long time. Yeah. And that person, and we talked a little bit about this, that like buttoned up person is also trying to be someone she's not. Mm. And it's constricting her in so many ways, including creativity, including, you know, coming up with those great ideas. And so I, I really love that one as the first rule, like bring, and it doesn't have to be everything, but there are moments you can bring in that spark. Yeah. Yeah, being a human being in a context where maybe maybe they're expecting a corporate something and you show up as just a three-dimensional human, I think that could be really disarming and powerful. I also thought that I had to do everything on my own. I thought mm. that I had to go off into my little office, although we didn't have an office. We had an open plan, which is a nightmare. But <laughs> go off into my space, make my perfect thing, come back out and present it. And what I learned through amazing colleagues in my professional life is it's so much more fun, especially if you are a person who is social and who thrives and generates ideas in conversation. If you're a verbal learner and thinker, working with a colleague to brainstorm or even just like I have my last boss used to call me and be like, can I just can I just have your ear for a second? Can I talk this through with you? Because mm-hmm. she would have a big thing that she needed to do and she wanted to make sure that I had a perspective, I had a perspective on it and I was going to give her the real real. And so it really built incredible trust between me and my boss or me and my colleague who I would brainstorm things together, create documents together, sit with each other in a conference room, throw things on the whiteboard together. I just think we underestimate how powerful that is for the team building part of your career and building your relationships in a real human way where you're like, hey, you're really good at this. Can I can I grab you to run something past you? Can I can I share this thing with you? It's a work in progress. It's a bit of a mess, but you'll get the idea. Mm -hmm. I think that that thinking you have to do it alone, you can let go of that. You're going to have a lot more fun. Yeah, I I found this to be I was the same way, to be honest. I thought that and it it wasn't so much that I felt like I had to do it on my own. I also had I just had a hesitation to ask for help. Yep. And and I I had this projection on other people that they were too busy, they had things to do. I should just take care of my side of this, make it as as perfect as I could with on my own. But the truth is at the end of the day, your idea, your product, your whatever you're creating is going to be so much better when you have that collaboration. And I, I think that's why this conversation right now on 
remote work, yep. virtual work, and a lot of senior leaders are wanting their teams to come back in. And and I feel for both sides. Yeah. Because I feel like I enjoy being virtual and I have family to take care of and I have things to do. So it is the flexibility. But at the same time, there is magic that is created when you are interacting with another human face to face. And that is so hard to replicate virtually. Yeah. And so if you can crack that code, that's that's, that's well, a I worked one. out of my bedroom for two years during COVID. Mm-hmm. And and I think I think you really can connect over Zoom. I think you really can. I think if you're willing to loosen up a little bit, you yeah. can you can make those relationships stronger in in virtual or remote work. But no, there's no there's no replacing. Hey, let's go grab lunch and mm-hmm. talk this through. Or I had a boss who would always be like, let's walk. He would say, let's get a cup of coffee and then let's walk because we were always sitting. So we right. would walk the campus. And some of our best conversations came through that where mm-hmm. we were just moving and riffing and and we came up with good ideas together in that way. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a real balance because obviously remote work has been liberating, especially for moms where we don't yeah, have to make sure excuses has. for going to take our kid to Little League. So it's only going to take a certain amount of your day if, you're, if your circumference is small enough. It's just the commute mm-hmm. that messes us up and adds this wasted time to our days, which doesn't have to be wasted. You can always listen to podcasts. Listen to our podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Real shameless plug. Can I give you another one? Absolutely. What's number three? Okay. So I think out of fear, I, for many years took on the role of being someone's right hand or being kind of like the power behind the throne. And I thought that that was going to make me feel safer and less vulnerable. But what it did was it made me a reflection of that person whose right hand I was. And I would watch them get the glory and then secretly feel like, well, I did so much of that work. Like, It's not like they weren't trying to give me credit, but like their role was such that they were more public facing. And what I realized was that I was hiding because I didn't want to be open to scrutiny. I didn't want to be criticized. I wanted to sort of feel safe. That safety is an illusion. It's just a job. Even if it's a career that's meaningful to you. Why hold yourself back from the growth that comes from stepping out front? So what happened with me was I was always someone's right hand. And then I stepped into this role at Snap. And I really had to step up and show up in a way that allowed me to sort of understand, like, who I was as a worker, as a leader, as an employee, as a contributor to the group in a leadership role. Like mm-hmm. I would never have learned myself as a leader. I, ha- I would never have gained the leadership and, and coaching and guidance skills that I learned if I had not stepped out from behind somebody else. And I realized that I really liked speaking in my own voice and, and not being in the shadows. Now, when I was a new mom and I had twins and I was overwhelmed at home, I was really grateful to be behind somebody so that mm-hmm. 
they could be a buffer when my life was just overfull with responsibility. But as my parenting sort of settled into a groove and my kids are now 12, I have twins, then I, I really had more bandwidth to, to step forward at work. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for that because I don't think I would have, I, I gained so much confidence as a result of, of pushing myself out from behind somebody. Mm. I resonate with this so much, Erin, because I had a similar situation in corporate being kind of a really strong behind the scenes type of contributor. And I and I loved it, I think, because of that safety, of that comfort, of that fear of being seen. Yep. And what's interesting is when you said you felt more confident and what I found to be true for myself is that when you take the time to become your own person and get to know how you are as a leader in your case would be in that that front facing role your connection to yourself becomes stronger you yeah. know who you are yeah. you know your voice you know what how you would want to handle this or that and you've done it you have that experience doing it and that's when that confidence comes out you Instead of just, and I'm not saying just because there is a time and place to be a really strong second right-hand person, but you you don't get a lot of free thinking for yourself and experience doing that, being in the front. Right. And some people like that is the perfect role for them. For mm -hmm. me, mm -hmm. I knew I was hiding. Yeah, I knew I was meant to be out front. And, and so maybe that's my like acting having been an actor as a young person, like I just, I wanted, I wanted to use my voice. And eventually I had to figure out how to do that. And it was so worth the risk. So worth the risk. Because um, mm -hmm. I felt more fully myself and more self-expressed. And, and also I gave myself more grace, you know, where I, the whole process of, of developing your confidence and not feeling like you have to be perfect all the time. Like that is such a big deal. For me, that came in my 40s. That mm -hmm. came in my 40s. It really showed up for me in my 40s, whereas some people have it out of the gate and just go gangbusters into everything with full confidence. For me, and I think a lot of women, we feel like we have to have the answer before, we, before we've even really thoroughly investigated the question. Like for me, I thought I had mm. to read before I went to first grade. I told my mom I couldn't go to first grade um, because I didn't know how to read. And she's like, honey, they teach you how to read in first grade. And I was like, oh, OK, I guess I guess they'll let me in then. I mean, that's definitely I, I think a lot of women probably relate to that. This sort of sense of like I'm not legitimate unless I've thoroughly mastered this thing that's new to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much in the experiential learning mm. that it doesn't it almost doesn't matter if you've done a similar role at a different company or group. It's still going to be so new. Yep. And and you're still going to have to figure it out. And and so, but you're right. It's it's that hesitation of I don't have the exact experience. And so I feel like, oh, should I do it? And I and, don't see that um, as much with men. Men definitely, in my experience, show up with a, oh, yeah, I can figure that out. As mm -hmm. opposed to I haven't I haven't taken all the tests and gotten all A's and and proved myself. I think I think we could stand to be a little bit more ballsy. We could stand to be a little bit more 
confident in the abstract, confident in ourselves, in the in the idea that like, yeah, we're capable, competent human beings. Like we will figure it out, even if mm-hmm. we've never done the letter exactly the, the thing to the letter. Yeah. I, I like to come back to what you were talking about earlier when you were describing kind of going out on your own and you had this experience of I've overcome this challenge. Mm-hmm. I've built this, I've created that Mm -hmm. in other settings. And I think that's where we can start as women and as people when we're about to start something new. Remember all of the things that we've accomplished and all the things that that came up. I mean, nothing is really ever smooth, right? There are challenges we have overcome successfully. And when you can root yourself in that and say, okay, I was able to do that here, I can also do it again, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell me about your fourth rule. Okay, my fourth rule. That you broke. Yeah. I felt like unless I looked a certain way and my body was a certain way, that I was never going to be successful. I had this Mm. unwritten rule in my head that like successful people aren't overweight, successful people look, they they fit a certain mold. And for me, I've always carried some extra pounds and it's, it's probably more, the weight probably lives more in my head than it does in, on my body or in the way that people perceive me. But I really felt like I lived in New York for a really long time and I thought, well, I can't move to Los Angeles and be in show business unless I'm skinny, which is just a whole bunch of cultural programming and family values and all of these things that are simply not true. Mm-hmm. And while there are some disturbing statistics about people with certain body fat ratios or whatever and, and appearance being promoted more frequently or in more mm-hmm. senior management positions, I think that that, I think that is changing. And I think it's an inside job. It's an inside job. If you change your mind about that rule, if you decide, you know what, I'm great as I am. I'm going to show up. I'm going to look awesome. I'm going to look like myself. I'm going to, I'm going to show up unique and perfectly imperfect. Nobody else is thinking about that stuff in the way that you are. Nobody else is Mm -hmm. obsessed with your, how your stomach sticks out or not. You know what I mean? I mean, for me, I got very hung up on and very, I I just really believe that show business was not for me unless I looked like a show business person, which in my mind was a movie star, which is nonsense. (laughs) It's just complete nonsense. And not required for the role that I've ever played in my professional way. That is so interesting, Erin, because what I thought about was not just this rule, but all the rules and stories we create in our mind that aren't true. Yeah. Right. That that hold us back. Yeah. And it could be that there, there's a reason why you feel that way. Obviously, media, entertainment, Hollywood portrays mm-hmm. a certain image. Mm-hmm. And that kind of translated into your head as a specific look that you needed to have. But no matter where we are in in each industry, we have these rules, these assumptions that we've created that are worth testing out. Yeah. Is it true? 
could I be successful? Is it a hard and fast rule? And and most are most not. of the time it's not. Yeah, mm-hmm. most yeah. are not. And and most of the time the things you're worried about about yourself, no one else is thinking about. They're thinking about themselves <laughs> and their careers actually, I and their know, ambition. They're really not yep. thinking that that carefully about you. I know. I I think about this. Not frequently, but enough where I'm like, whenever I get self-conscious or I'm like, I shouldn't do this or put this out there. I'm like, you know what? Most people aren't even thinking about me. (laughs) No, I always used to say to artists who would who would come in and be worried about whatever, whatever in their careers, you know, pitching a TV show. Maybe it was maybe it was too soon for them or maybe maybe they were worried and self-conscious about if I do this then this will happen. And I just was like, no one cares about what you're doing. And I don't say that in a mean way. Like, nobody cares until you're successful. Nobody cares until you have a thing that people care about. Go and do your work. Go and develop yourself. Go and develop your voice. Make your, write your scripts and develop your short film and, and do all the things. And when you are undeniable, people will notice. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, no one cares. And that's how I feel about my podcast. Well, I'm just going to do it the way that I think makes sense and and what I believe in. And I'm going to make a high quality product because that's my business is making media. And I'm going to follow my muse and my own curiosity. And when it's inevitable, it will show up on everyone's radar. But until then, I'm just going to work on my credibility. I think I think an artist's life and I think this is probably true in professional life of all kinds is is half visibility having a profile and people knowing who you are and have credibility showing up and doing the work doing a great job mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. when you're not working on your credibility you can be working on your visibility and when you're not working on your visibility you can be working on your credibility and like it is a pendulum swinging back and forth but you never don't have something to do mm-hmm. yes that's that's great i feel this similar about my podcast but at the beginning i didn't No, I didn't realize all the wisdom you just shared, (laughs) right? And you think, okay, I was worried to put it out. I'm like, how many people are really going to listen to my first episode when I put it out? You know what I mean? Right. And in my mind, it was like the world. I'm putting it out to the world, but I really wasn't. (laughs) Right, exactly. I mean, I sent an email out announcing my podcast to my whole professional community, everyone I've ever met in my professional life. And I was like, okay, this is a right turn. What am I going to post on LinkedIn? You figure it out. You figure out how you're going to talk about yourself and how you're going to frame what you're doing next. I think that leads me into the the last thing I wanted to share, which is this unconscious rule that it's too late to change, that it's that it's you've invested so much and you got to stay the course. For me, that would have looked like climbing the corporate ladder, moving to another media company, continuing to buy television shows on behalf of a platform and a brand and and an audience that we were trying to reach. And something in me was like, "Mm, I've got probably 20 or 30 more years of productive life left. I think I want to grow. I think I want to stretch. I think I want to change. I'm not leaving any of this behind. I still take on consulting projects and do stuff like that. I love making things with people. But I just don't want that to be my entire life. And I don't want to sit in a corporate structure that, that wants to control my time. And, and so I really 
I really had to give myself permission to jump and say, you know what, it's not too late to change. I have a great role model in my mother who went back to school to become an occupational therapist when she was 48. She had always worked in HR and corporate training, and every time there was a recession, she would get laid off. And she looked up what are the jobs that are most in demand and what does it look like for the next 30 years? How do I stay employed until I don't want to be employed anymore? And for her, it was going back and getting another degree at 48. And I think like that as a point of inspiration for me where it's actually it can change. Actually, I'm not leaving any of the skills or expertise that I have cultivated behind. I'm just applying them to something new. And it's something I can't ever get laid off from. And that's mm-hmm. what's the most exciting thing. If you build your own thing, which is terrifying. It is. It's really scary. It's really vulnerable. And it's, I've been a person who's chosen a paycheck and direct deposit for 20 years. That's scary. Yeah. That's scary. But I'm leaning into to faith and I'm leaning into confidence and I'm leaning into authenticity. And I know that at the end of the day, those are the things that are going to lead me to the next big win. Mm, I love that. We're going to close with that, Aaron. Before we close out for the day, any last closing thoughts to the audience on breaking rules and shifting into their life after 40? Yeah, I would say spend some time with yourself asking, are there any rules that I'm following that I don't want that aren't serving me? Is there a nagging little wish in the back of my head that says, oh, this could be different. This could be better. I have a vision or I have an inkling or I have a dream about something. Stop pushing that down. Let yourself actually experience that and feel that. And, and also, if you're feeling like this job is misery, but I feel like I have to have it because it's what I've decided, ask yourself what's on the other side of having something else. What, what can you envision that's positive on the other side? Transition is hard. Transition mm-hmm. is uncomfortable. But change is good, especially if it's coming from an authentically motivated place. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Could you share with the audience where they can reach you, connect with you, see your work? Absolutely. So Hotter Than Ever is available everywhere you listen to podcasts. So please find the show and follow it. I'm on Instagram at Hotter Than Ever Pod. That's probably the best way to reach out if you want to DM me at the show. I post a lot of clips and audiograms and all kinds of things so you get a taste for it. But yeah, please go listen to it. Let me know what you think. Great. Thanks so much, Erin. I really appreciate your time and your wisdom today. Thank you, Lori. I love being here. And, and best of luck with everything. I know you're on the move. On the move. Onward and upward, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you've enjoyed it, I would love for you to subscribe. If you're already a subscriber, don't forget to share the podcast with a friend. Hope you all have an amazing week. Until next time, bye.